0: happy new year. My name is Tim Held and this is Podular Modcast. I'm very excited to kick off 2024 with this week's guest Ben Jordan. You may know Ben as the Flashbulb or you may know Ben from his YouTube channel, likely both, but if you aren't aware of his YouTube channel and you are into keeping up on what's going on in the world of synths, in the world of music production, in the world of streaming platforms and all that, he's an excellent resource and uh, Yeah, it was really, really awesome to have a chance to just sit down and yap away. So we're going to get into that talk very soon. But first... So first up, I just want to say thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. I'm going to be sending out stuff for that giveaway uh, probably by the end of next week. Cassette tapes, blank panels, patch cables, maybe a module. I'm still working on that. Um, Bunch of stickers and how I determine who gets what is I'm just gonna post on the Patreon page a picture of all the stuff in a couple different categories and first come first serve to say, I want that. I'm just gonna say, all right, give me your address and I'm gonna send it to you. Um, So if you wanna sign up, head over to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. And while we're on the topic of Patreon, I want to just, uh, you know, talk about it and be transparent. About what's going on over there, um, and just say something that's bothered me for a very long time is how bad I think I am at running a patreon page. So I want to first off say like I'm sorry if you signed up and maybe some of the perks that you know were the incentive that got you to sign up didn't last long or you know haven't been consistent um, i'm I'm truly sorry for that. Uh, But to be honest, like, I don't know how to juggle all of the stuff that it takes to do a podcast. The ultimate goal with the Patreon is obviously to fund all of the costs of making it, um, including my time, which on average is about 30 hours a week, I would say, um, for an hour episode. But above that, I, I was hoping to one day get to a point where I could pay myself and then have enough to pay you know an assistant producer or something because there's just so much that goes into making a podcast and none of it is particularly hard or uh super time consuming it's just a bunch of little things that are just exploded everywhere and maintaining a patreon is one of those this is not an excuse though i i definitely feel like i could have uh, you know just done done better with it so i'm i'm gonna make a pledge to y'all this year that um, I have one really cool idea, I think for a Patreon perk that I'm going to start doing and it's going to be consistent. So hopefully once a month, but at least every two months, depending on the level of interest in this, I want to actually do the idea that I've talked about Well, I talked about it a long time ago, um, the album club idea. Uh, And the idea of the album club is if you are a patron and you have an album that you are close to finishing or have just finished, you can submit it to me and then we can pick a couple albums for each session uh, to listen to. You know separately before we have the meeting and then we can all meet up on zoom uh, with the artists and other patrons and just kind of have a nice round table about the album um, and then i would record those and release those as videos or audio um, kind of bonus podcasts uh, for the patrons so if you didn't make it to one of the album clubs you could at least you know listen back to it and then i was thinking it would be really cool to maybe like at the end of every year release Uh, A compilation of tracks from all the different artists who submitted to the album club. So I think that sounds pretty cool. Um, But yeah, just full transparency the highest point I ever got on Patreon uh, was 500 bucks a month, which is. Amazing. It's pretty cool to get $500 a month from people who are just like, I'm into what you do, keep doing it. Um, that has dropped down to $300 and it's actually been dropping uh, consistently for the last year and a half. And I noticed it when the economy started kind of taking a hit. The economy taking a hit makes the synth economy take a hit, which affects, um, you know, synth podcasts. But I also think it has been uh, just how poorly I've been doing it. So I say it at the beginning of every year, but it's always a little vague, but like, yeah, let's grow the Patreon. Um, So to be clear and not vague about it, um, there's no way I can pay myself to do this off of $300 a month, um, let alone pay somebody else. But if we can get to the point where I can cover the cost of the podcast, pay myself for my work, and then hire somebody, I would be so excited to bring somebody on as an assistant producer um, to even create their own segments. I, I feel like I can't cover all of the stuff that's going on in the synth world, so it might be cool to have another host of a sort just to give us weekly segments on whatever they think is interesting or something. Um, because I want the show to grow, you know, I, I, it's six years old. I want it to, you know, evolve over time and become what uh what we all want it to be as as a community here so yeah my pledge going forward is to be better at patreon and come up with interactive and community building uh incentives to, for people to sign up so once again that's patreon.com forward slash okay that big rant is out of the way i want to say thank you to after later audio for a mess patchworks and novation for their continued support of podular modcast links to all of their great stuff in the show description let's get into our chat with ben and we're rolling with ben jordan how are you today i am excellent how are you i am uh i think i'm excellent so far so good
1: i feel like you asked me how i was 30 seconds ago before hitting record and i said i'm all right yeah. And then, then I'm somehow, like, knowing <laughs> that I'm speaking to the world, I'm like, oh, I'm excellent.
0: I'm great. I'm glad that you yeah. brought that up because when I asked you how you were doing, it immediately fired off in my head. Like, I just asked him this question. But <laughs>
1: well, um, yeah. I'll keep you on your feet. I'm just yeah, it, yeah. giving you a different answer. Um,
0: yeah. So, you know, uh, we play in similar realms, um, but you're obviously, you've got a lot. You've got a huge audience on um, YouTube and uh because i do you know i talk about synths with people a couple times a week mm-hmm. and i make my own demos and then i make my own music i actually don't ingest too much uh other synth influencer content you know so yeah. um your you popped I, I think it was the why i'm um ending or why i'm not going to do review videos anymore that popped up in my feed and i it's something yeah I've been thinking all morning how I want to like formulate these kind of nebulous thoughts that I've been having lately into questions. Um so hopefully that will happen, but what I'm trying to get at is um you know, after watching that I started going through a bunch of your other videos and I really really appreciate the um how like transparent you are and how uh you kind of you kind of sh- uh, pull the curtain back for people who don't do this stuff and uh, give them an insight into how it all works and the slimy side of it, the the, st- the mm. side of it that everybody assumes and isn't necessarily true and all that. And I just, I really appreciate that because as somebody who, for better or worse, is in some form a synth which I hate that term, um, or yeah. content <laughs> creator... yeah Yeah. um you know it's just it's it's interesting to me so i i I wanted to definitely get into that stuff but um and i know you've shared this in the past but just for anybody out there listening who's not uh familiar with you can you just kind of give us i always like to ask like when did it start this this uh i mean I, i i feel like it's a a compulsion sometimes like when when did music compel you when did you know that was oh man the thing and 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 what was it
1: it I, I feel like the classic answer that i always had to the time now i'm actually i'm hearing my voice and i'm like you know what i'm going to there we go now i got a little bit more bass i sound like genius <laughs> theory okay <laughs> um yeah i uh when i started uh music i mean i i, I was like younger than i re- recall i think i was like five years old and mm-hmm. uh, I just went to a state fair and saw a guitar and wanted it more than anything and threw a fit. And then my grandpa bought it for me. And then <laughs> that guitar, and now I realize, now that I'm much older and now that I've kind of like, you know, years of therapy and everything else, like, that guitar escape pod from right. everything negative about life. I. That guitar was, like, my best friend. It got me through everything. I was never really, Uh you know, I didn't go to, I didn't get lessons or anything. And so when I was done with my home, things a kid has to do, then I would, you know, be able to play the guitar. And if I would, like, play the guitar very quietly, Uh (laughs) you know, and so uh, that just got me addicted. And that just like yeah. made me care more about being creative and uh, expressing myself in whatever way I, I can find than anything else. And, and you know, that, that inspired me to keep practicing, you know, and to keep doing it. And so they, I'm really lucky in a weird way to have that odd experience because I'm sure it would have been way different had they been like, you're going to guitar lessons once Absolutely. a week or piano yeah. lessons or anything. So
0: yeah. I, I uh, have a, a kind of a similar thing. Uh, where did you grow up? before i
1: uh south chicago like west anglewood chicago okay
0: cool yeah so i grew up in a really small town here in washington state my graduating class was 84 kids and 60 okay. of us went from k through 12 together so it was you know oh, not nice. a lot going on in that town and um my mom had an acoustic guitar you know my whole life but she didn't play it it was hers when she was a kid and uh yeah i just I had an uncle who every time he'd come over, everybody begged him to play and sing because he's, you know, a really talented musician. <laughs> yeah. And I uh that that got in my bones early. Um and I I, I totally identify with that es- escape pod thing, you know, especially before getting a license. You know, just there's nothing to do in these small towns. So I just played yeah. on guitar and it and it really was kind of an escape. And, you know, it it became you know, for better or worse, my my identity very early on. You know, um,
1: yeah, and it, you know, it's also music. I think one of the things a lot of people, a lot of people don't think about, and probably one of the reasons why music is so popular in genu- general, among people, you know, the reason we listen to things on purpose that otherwise uh-huh. would sound like noise. Um, it, it, music is like when we think about the English language, everything has to get quantified. It's a, I guess like if yeah, Podular Modcast, so you pod or podcast, so you would done thing. We run it through a quantizer, like an English right. quantizer, where, where we split things into semitones, but <laughs> yeah. into words. And it's like, oh, I feel sad,
0: <laughs> you know. Oh, I yeah. feel
1: happy. I feel depressed. I'm in love. What do these things even mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. so hard to connect them to how how we actually feel, or at least for me. And music like gives you freedom from that. And it's like when, when, if you just put a baby in front of a piano, they'll be able to tell you if they're excited or not. You know, mm-hmm. that's like yeah. the two, the two mm-hmm. emotions that they could tell you, they could either bang on the thing or they could just uh-huh. like not pay attention <laughs> to it. And like, and then eventually, you know, a, a couple of years later, they'll, they'll be able to tell you if they're happy or sad, it'll be major right. or minor chords or, you know, the, the standard way. And then if they keep playing and they become, you know, a uh, a Berkeley PhD jazz pianist, they'll be able to describe Las Vegas to you and the experience they had with the sun setting right after their parent died, you know, like, like you won't necessarily get that from it, but like you'll get how they feel, which is so much more important than the actual events. When you think about, you know, just
0: the time I totally agree. Yeah. And this is something that I've, I've put a lot of thought into, you know, especially as I'm getting older, I'm going to be 40 in a couple months. And, um, you know, like I said, it becomes your identity. And then, you know, as you go older, you just start to, you know, question things and, you know, test the tensile strength of certain, you know, ideas you have about yourself or whatever. And um I some you know, obviously self expression, that's like, you know, everybody knows that's that's art is, you know, it's a way of saying these things that can't be said and whatnot. Um and I'm I'm starting to realize with you know, I got uh, a really late in life diagnosis of ADHD. It's only been a couple of years. Mm. Before that, I was diagnosed dyslexic in third grade, but that never felt right. And as I've gotten older, I, you know, just that doesn't feel like that what this is. Um, and so a lot of things are locking into place. One of which is how I have this incessant drive to try to make sure that I am perfectly clear and I want to be perfectly understood and that actually mm. wings me and it makes me to where i I ramble and I'm sure. not all that clearly understood and and it's and it's making more and more sense of why I feel like my most um maybe the most fluent language I have of emotional expression is is music so yeah I, I right. like I like that way that you put it
1: I mean, it's it's just so important to know if you're a musician, too. It's so important to know that you have a gift. Like, if you're into music, whether you're good or not at, whether you consider yourself skilled or not, the fact that you have this gift to where you can develop that language and to where you could express it just to yourself, like, that's mm-hmm. more important than any therapist, you know, not, nothing wrong with therapy, but that that's way, right. way more... Uh, yeah and and then to flip that on the other end and people be like, "Well, with Spotify paying so low and with AI music generators coming out, I I don't even want to make music anymore." And it's like, "Are you out of your mind? Like yeah. I'm not making music for Spotify money. I'm not making totally. music. Like like make okay, have AI make music. I don't care. Like I'm still going to do it cuz I love it. It's my it's yeah. my life." Yeah.
0: Yeah, the AI making music thing has like that just is, that's that's not like something that scares me or, or concerns me at all because I feel like with stuff like that we like humans have a lot of good and bad characteristics but I think for better or worse we're extremely innovative uh, especially when there are like specific um, limitations or specific parameters that we're you know made to work within so I feel like you know, AI generated music, like if any, if that becomes something that people are like ingesting in the way that they're ingesting TikTok videos and Spotify and, and you know, the way people used to listen to the radio, that's going to be for the non-seekers. And that's not a value judgment. It's just a different type of person. And those who are seekers are going to, they're going to find ways to do it outside of those, outside of that, to make sure that it is in, you know, it's, I feel like, you know, something like, uh, have you seen that show uh, Station Eleven?
1: Oh, I watched like a couple episodes and then okay. it, it's not that I thought it was bad. It was just, you know, whatever yeah, no. happened, I didn't have time to watch anymore. But. Right.
0: So it's, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic thing and, you know, a traveling uh, a traveling uh, mm. uh, acting troupe just doing plays yeah. in these little villages. So, I mean, I feel like, the the level of connection that that connection that's being severed between from person to person with a lot of art in this digital AI you know um, you know massive uh, corporation world like I feel like that's just going to create opportunities for people to find a not a new way but almost go back in time in a way to where it might be more personal you're not playing the same stadium as the Golden State Warriors, but maybe you're playing a living room show or, you know, something like that, that could be a whole lot more meaningful. And this kind of brings up something that I definitely wanted to just kind of pick your brain about and hear you riff on, but like, just the nature of the world, but especially our society that we live in being so it's just where it's the capitalism is the foundation of everyday life. Um, and how that is just so antithetical to artistic expression and in so many ways, not in all ways, but in so many ways. Um, yeah, that's just something that's been on my mind a lot, especially one of the reasons being drawn to your content where you Mm. have this transparency is, um, I want to make money off of this but I don't want to be rich off of this. I want to bare minimum pay my bills. And the only reason I want to make money is just so I can keep doing it and, and get right. better at it, you know? Yeah. But that be, having that be a necessity that fucks with me a little bit, you know? Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's uh, a, I have a lot of friends dating back my entire life. Uh, one one of my best friends, uh, the late Charlie Cooper from Telephone Tel Aviv, um, he used to have, he used to wait tables and he used to play, go on tour and play all around the world. And, and he, at the time they had a lot more fans than I did as musicians. And yeah. And you know, I was like, why are you waiting tables? And he's like, cause I, I love making music and I don't want to have to think about making me, me. And it, and it really inspired me because for a long time, I would make music for advertisements I, mm-hmm. and television and stuff like that. And I would just see that as a service I'm providing. Like, okay, I have to work. I have to provide this service. I'm going to set a timer and I'm going to work on it this many hours a day. And then the rest of the time, then I, I afforded the freedom of not having to care what anybody thought about my music. Like, Because mm-hmm. you know, before that, I was making a living from touring and releasing albums. But then it was like, okay, now I don't care anymore. And I could do whatever mm-hmm. I want if i want to if I want to have a different style of music that I think that my audience would normally possibly reject. I can go do that because I want to, and that's what mm-hmm. I feel like doing and it worked great it 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 grew tremendously and and people hear that, and they they hear that that sort of natural organic inspiration, I think but mm-hmm. but that's not the point of doing it. The point of doing it is because you want to, and ultimately, mm-hmm. you're just telling me that you want to make a living and do what you want to do. And that's what everybody wants. Like we're, And that's exactly. a great thing. Like, that's what, that's how, ideally, I think that's how we will become the most efficient versions of ourselves. Like, we I will, if, if everybody can get into that, and I'm not sure that that's very, <laughs> that's not very possible, but if everybody could get into that mode and if everybody sort of uh, cradled that, then capitalism would be pretty rad and awesome and there wouldn't be nearly as many problems with it because everybody would just be working at their most efficient state, so.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, I was, so I was doing, um, I was in academia for a long time, which I I I like jokingly, half jokingly say was just an extension of my childhood. Um, Hmm. And, you know, I I wanted to become a professor, but, but, you know, leading up to, making the decision to go to college and really try to double down in that, in that realm was again, coming from a small town. I was encouraged by people to be a musician, but I didn't, I didn't understand that there was actually like an Avenue because behind the musics and all of this stuff was all like, yeah, we were playing in a garage one day and then all of a sudden this guy was like, you're the one. And that, you know, and so (laughs) you
1: got what it takes. Yeah. (laughs) And I think
0: that like, that like, um, that like mythology that's built around rock stardom, at least for kids growing up in like, I think we're similar age, like, you know, growing up late eighties, nineties. It it was like this, just, just wait, it's going to happen, you know? So I, I wasn't like, I didn't realize the, the level of agency that it would have taken. So by the time, you know, I was hitting college age, it was kind of like, well, I should probably have a backup plan. And I never stopped making music during this time, but, um, yeah, I basically just burned myself out and ended up, you know, I I, bas- I ended up uh, becoming an electrician and did hmm. that for five years, and that just murdered my soul. I really hated, okay. I hated it. Yeah, because it was just construction. Yeah. I was on these right. job sites with these working for these giant companies and and you know, like total boys club. What you don't like money and being asked to you yeah. know, work ridiculous overtime all the time and um yeah it just wasn't for me so i've never i've never really found a way to like have a job that doesn't murder my soul until just recently doing the podcast over the last few years however i think the pandemic with the extra Mm -hmm. the extra um uh, (laughs) unemployment and then people's time like i was like oh shit, this is a good business model and now as the economy is doing what it's doing and things have settled down from that, I'm starting to, it's like, oh, I, at this current rate, I can't keep doing this. Like I'm going to have yeah. to get another job if I don't change something. And that's, yeah, it's just really, it fucks with you because art is also it, like a, a job where it doesn't matter how good it is or how much time you put in, that doesn't equate to, right. you know.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to look at things like that, too, from like both. Th- there really is two sides. There's a creative side. And then even from what you're describing me, it's like, it. it it's like, do I want to do I, I want to tackle this from the creative side? Or do I want to tackle this from like the side of me that owns equity in a company, in a tech <laughs> company, which is yeah. what I do, you know? And yeah, so yeah. it's it's like, you know, right off the bat, I want to be like, well, yeah, but your TAM is too small. Your total addressable market, you know, there's not how how much can you grow inside the modular space space Absolutely. which is already shrinking if you look at the music trades reports you know yeah. it's like yeah. but at the same time it's like well that's what you want to do so that's what you should do yeah yeah uh,
0: it's life. it's it's yeah it's it's real fun um so when does the transition into like getting into electronic music and and like and music technology synths and all that happen from guitar
1: i think i was always like really it, it, well, my my initial attraction to synthesizers was that I wouldn't need to have a band. <laughs> like, I was just like, I, I won't. I could make music, but I don't need these these douchebags, like, hanging around. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because just at the time, I think I was just so much more motivated than, like, the people I was jamming with. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it was probably because I grew up, like, as a kid, I was listening to jazz, and, like, I was playing, you know, I was learning Joe Pass on the guitar and stuff like that. And so it was like a little bit more heady than like Nirvana or whatever was right, happening yeah. on the radio at the time. And um, yeah, and so I, you know, naturally then I, I had played drums enough to where I could play the drums better than the drummer and I could mm-hmm. play the bass better than the band. I was just like, well, I'm just going to get some synths. And yeah, yeah. Or, you know, some, <laughs> a drum a dr 660 drum machine and that'll play like better than Buddy Rich can and then I'll play <laughs> with that and then, you know. Um, and in that though, that was sort of the thing is because like the DR6, the boss DR660 drum machine was made to, you know, make queen beats, you know, do, 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 yeah just things like that. Like rock beats, beat Beato beats. I don't know what you would call them. <laughs> like just sort of like the the rock pop music beats. And then I'm trying to like program Buddy Rich beats on them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when it sort of took this weird direction. Um, yeah that kind of paved the way for the rest of things where it was like a a, sort of the left field of synths and gear and electronic music um but also you know with live instruments and recorded instruments being part of it too um ultimately though it's just like lack of genre and weirdly that finds itself in electronic music a lot just because people that's where the most of the innovation is happening, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, not too many new styles of saxophones coming out these days, so right, you know. Yeah, but yeah, we yeah. have granular synths and you know all these other mm-hmm. things.
0: So, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, I, I had a similar thing too. It, it was like, well, one band practice is just like it's such a pain in the ass to get so like all these different people, especially as you become an adult, like yeah, on the same schedule to put. And then there's the question of you know. Like how uh, the 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 different levels of motivation and everything. Um, So yeah, I I I went the route of guitar with APC and Ableton, and now it's guitar and modular and all this shit. But um, yeah, I was also curious, like just judging by your uh, you know the way that you tackle your the topics in your videos and your your love for data, you've you mentioned that quite a bit. Um, yeah. Do you have an academic background? Did you go to school? Were, do science? Like, did you? Were you a scientist at or anything? <laughs> no, I dropped
1: out of <laughs> dropped out of high school. Oh, I'm, really? I'm, okay. That's. I think that's one of the things that's like so important to me. Is that at some point, like I don't know, eight years ago, I got hired to write a paper, a private paper that you know wasn't like published publicly. Um, it's for a patent and. And then, you know, rehired for a couple more. And then I ended up get, being hired by a couple other, you know, companies or things like that. And at some point I was just like, wait a minute, I'm a scientist. Like I'm literally a scientist. Like, what is a? And I remember Googling, like, how to be a scientist. What does scientist <laughs> mean? And it was all scholarly, you know, it's all like, you know, you have to go to college and you have to, mm-hmm. it's like, well, actually, no, you just have to be paid to research things. That's, yeah. I guess, that what me. that's what means you're a professional scientist. And so, sure enough, uh, and then I kind of never wanted to say it because then I felt bad for anybody who did go to school for eight years and was working as a research assistant, and mm-hmm. then I'm, like, you know, being paid to, like, you know, head these things. And then I kind of thought to myself, well, the other end, like, I hate the word sit-science. I hate citizen science. I hate that word because if people are researching something, they're being scientists, whether it's mm-hmm. good or bad science, you know, whether it's proper research or improper um, as long as you're trying to find truth, like actually trying to find truth, not right. trying to confirm your own bias, but as long as right. you're trying to find truth, you are a scientist. And mm-hmm. uh, and I thought to myself just like, wow, if I knew that when I was a kid, I probably would have like accomplished a lot more things. But, oh, but totally. I was just, you know, I just had this, well, I'll never be a scientist because I can't go to college. You know, mm-hmm. and that was kind of yeah. how I looked at it. But that's interesting. here I am.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a, that's like a surprising answer because, you know, being in academia for as long as I was, um, you know, I studied uh, primate evolution. So reading lots of papers, you know, definitely learning how the scientific method works and how, you know, stats work. And um, one thing that I took away from your videos was like, Oh, I mean, he, he has a grasp on like what the scientific method is. Like I feel like, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest failures of, of, Um, of of america is our education system and and it just blows my mind i was just talking with some friends last night about this just how many people who are very smart people and adults in this world they don't actually understand what the scientific method is and you know like and how at the base of that is the philosophy of science so like yes we get to this 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 data that can be observed, but at the base of it all is the philosophical assumption that, well, yeah, we can make we can make conclusions (laughs) off of this, you know? Right? Yeah. There's (laughs) which is a pretty strong assumption. I'm not saying that makes it flimsy, but it's incredibly
1: unhuman. Like from (laughs) just how our brains work, it's so incredibly unhuman. To to be like, I, I think I have an idea. Wait a minute, I think I have an idea. And then spend the next two years trying to prove yourself wrong. Yep. Like that is <laughs> incredibly <laughs> unhuman and just weird. And, and it doesn't make sense when you tell, like, so right now I'm working on this massive research project uh, that is about uh, two, uh, allegedly, I'm still saying allegedly, even though this is like written everywhere in every other, but, but allegedly two to 3% of people hear a hum sound that sounds kind of like a rumbling truck outside or maybe a drone. And I've been interviewing people by this massive bank of data that I've been collecting for years, uh, something like close to 8,000 people. And now I'm actually interviewing them on camera and now I'm actually doing Uh, field research for this and then in January next month I, I embark on like you know a three and a half week possibly even four week trip where I go you know throughout the United States and parts of Mexico interviewing people and trying to essentially all I'm trying to do is holes in my own theories you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like and and everybody i talk to is is just like oh so you think it's that so you're going to try and prove it and it's like no 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 no. i think it's that so i'm going to try and disprove it yep like and you know and then try and fund the whole thing through (laughs) through youtube and amazon prime video
0: yeah so right um so, uh, what does there, is there like a, a name for the, the phenomenon? Like you said, it's already been written about like the hum. Yeah.
1: If you just like just, okay. search for the hum on, on, uh, Wikipedia, it, there's, it has a, it, that's what I've been linking everybody to just so, yeah. It sounds so like don't the don't reverse some,
0: tinnitus or something like,
1: yeah, I mean, that is one of the leading, that is a, a pretty large theory. Um, there's a, a professor or a doctor who's, who came up with that theory and, uh, and who's done like more research than anybody else on this. Uh-huh. And however, he hasn't done that much field research. Okay. Like he's only interviewed people and he's only had, has, and so it's like, well, if you're, if all of your field research is, uh, I guess I can't make air quotes on a podcast. I um, if all of your field <laughs> research is come and and I, by the way, it sounds like I'm like being pissy about this person. I'm not at all. Like he's brilliant. But if all of your field, re- field research is coming from people with bodies, then it's going to be hard to come to the conclusion that, this is happening as you know something that's not in your body and so
0: right well isn't isn't um correct me if i'm wrong but tinnitus has something to do with damaged like uh the tiny like um hair follicles in your ear or something like that is that i feel like I've yeah
1: that. usually um i think or where it's like the easiest way where you could trace it like if you're like okay well i got tinnitus because i was a drummer for you know because i worked with heavy machinery um it does. Ca- it is caused from that, but it's also. I mean, when sound is like already really complicated when you think about how sound waves work and refract uh-huh. and <laughs> reflect uh-huh. and all these weird things that they do and change frequencies, traveling at different speeds and thinking about it that way, where you know you, you pretend that you're just like in this tank of water where air has this incredible force over pressure waves moving around. It's kind uh-huh. of. It's kind of crazy, but then psychoacoustic sound, like the that side of it, where okay, so now your brain picks up these vibrations, or or sorry, your inner ear picks up these vibrations, and now your brain translates them into things that you can recognize, and then prioritizes them based on what you probably already know. This what what you what you've evolved to receive as a, so like. A screaming baby is absolutely going to take precedent over, you know, a distant factory or a bird right. in the distance or something. Because, right. you know, and that's why when people go out to eat and they hear a screaming baby, they can't handle it. But, you know, hearing like the smooth jazz somehow right. doesn't seem to bother them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like that's kind of like, um, that's uh, referring to like the, uh, the Fletcher Munson equal loudness contours. Have you mm-hmm. heard? Of it? Yeah. So we're yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, uh, for the listener, at at uh, you know, if you play every range of, of frequency that's audible to human hearing um, at the same amplitude, there is a, a range that just sounds louder to us. Yeah. and you know, I think the theory is that it's it's around the the screaming baby, the the humans speaking voice, and also maybe uh, the the cat, the big jungle cat, uh, you know, yeah. making its scary noise in the in the background. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. And then you got stuff like binaural beats or whatever, where it's like if you play these two slightly different frequencies (laughs) in stereo, your brain will just invent a new frequency that you hear. And if you take one earphone off, like that's okay. Cool. So, like, tones,
1: that's like another, yeah, that's a really odd one where it's just like, what? Yeah. You just create a third frequency from the high ones. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of, there's so many audio phenomenon. And it's all just based on, like, your brain, you Mm -hmm. know, at odds with with how you think sound works.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, I actually teach, um, so that I went to uh, an, or yeah, I went through an apprenticeship to get my um, electrical license. But because of my academic experience, I was like, well, if I'm going to try to get out of the field and try to do the podcast, like, I'm going to need, like, supplemental income. So I've actually been teaching at that um, apprenticeship for like three or four years now. And one of the classes I teach is called sound distribution or sound reinforcement. And the first lesson, the first like night of class is all just talking about compression and rarefaction and, you know, like different Mm. substrates and, uh, you know, how sound travels and everything. Um, Where was I going with that? I don't remember, but yeah, that's, so yeah, that, that also just like a really cool, like new way of thinking about being a musician as I became older. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean,
1: it's like, well, I mean, it, not only that, but the, when you just, you know, sound is just like a very specific type of pressure wave. And then when you think about all of the other waves everywhere, and then, mm -hmm, you know, when you get into when you get into the quantum level then it's mm-hmm. just like oh dear this is yeah. this reality of ours is is very very subjective to our species or yeah you know, it's our hearing
0: apparatus yeah uh, yeah uh, so i like always every
1: single thing that we yeah like it's it's very very subjective to how we personally see it rather than how things really are absolutely is, yeah you know, mind-bending stuff of course.
0: Yeah, and then you think about like different like the cones and rods of your eye and then like the mantis mm-hmm. shrimp having so many more and like well right. that that yeah. that that eye sees the world a lot different. I always I always ask my students like you know, you always hear like if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one around to hear it, does it still make a sound? And yeah. you know, I always like to ask people that question and people are always like, "Well, yeah." And I'm like, "Well, technically, it still makes that change like that change of air pressure still happens but if there's no biological organism that has evolved some sort of thing like an ear to then take that physical right that physical energy and then convert it to an electrical signal that we then process you know
1: <laughs> like well yeah but not only that but like if nobody observes the tree falling then Acor- literally, according to our best understanding of how physics works, it didn't. It it was in superposition until somebody could verify, until a person, a conscious being, could observe it having fallen or not fall, or having mm-hmm. fallen or not fallen. And right. That's th- that's where I mean that was like the hill that Einstein died on and was wrong. that sort of uh, apparently allegedly Einstein used to joke used to make joke he used to have dinner parties and and make fun of uh, make fun of people that you know coming up with like the quantum theories were still kind of young at the time and he would make fun of them and say oh do you see the moon it looks beautiful uh uh, it, it it we only see it because a mouse saw it because a mouse observed it and he would make jokes like that and but the crazy thing is he was wrong like he was <laughs> dead wrong and that's that was his i mean obviously he was right about many many things that are way above any of our understandings but right yeah that was that was his <laughs> that was well that the, you the start wrong to hill to die on
0: yeah, it's also, you know, you start starting to think about this and and these questions, it's it's kind of classic like philosophy, you know, 101 in in college where you know like uh well, did the tree fall? Well, what's falling? That's a that's a construct that we made up. Yes, things can move right. through physical space and react to gravity and they have their own properties, but like we decide to say it, it fell and and it, I mean, just, you know, yeah. you can just start picking things apart to And then you get at that basis that I was talking about at the bottom of science, which is, you know, the philosophy of science. And you have to. Well, yeah,
1: and the the philosophy of science was always that, I guess it would be like, okay, well, the tree grew as part of a chain reaction from the Big Bang. And so, mm -hmm, therefore, mm -hmm. the tree fell when the Big Bang happened. And and we are just <laughs> waiting for time to catch up, for space time to catch up with that until we say. And so basically, our death has already happened. It's already right. written out. But we can't control. You know, for referring to time as the fourth dimension, we can't control where we are on on this plane. We can't. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we're always moving forward, but like we can't. You know, we can't go back, obviously. And so the only way we could control it is if we were to like build a very fast plane, I suppose.
0: So yeah. um,
1: <laughs> then we slow it down. But yeah. Uh, So, so it's like, uh, then, then we approach these events and that's up until quantum theory, that's what we believed. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's what we thought was the case. And it turns out that that's way more complicated than that.
0: <laughs> yeah, <so> it's, yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, this is, yeah, this is, hopefully this is a, on the deeper spectrum of, of the module we're, we're Podular Modcast.
0: <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, I've I've definitely over the like, you know, it'll be six years in March I've been doing this. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I've definitely ventured out of just Modular and started, you know, talking. Like I had uh, this, the episode that I'm going to be editing and releasing this week after we're done here is actually with Jason Lytle from Granddaddy. Um, oh, cool. And, you know, I've had like some guys from Tortoise and Deerhoof. So I'm starting to expand into... You know, because not everybody who's—I feel like—modular artists and people are u- utilize modular. The the variation in interests is pretty broad, but there are some like. Com, you know, I I feel like you know Tortoise is pretty modular music adjacent. You know, a lot of yeah. modular people like Tort. You know, so like I'm I'm and like you mentioned earlier, and it's something that I thought about earlier too you know early on in the show of like if I do want to grow this to be like my only income source, like the modular user base, like you said, my my target market <laughs> for lack of a better right, word yeah, total is, is yeah. very <laughs> limited. So <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, we I mean okay, we'll, we'll go on so, Okay, so then on, I
1: guess you can th- this maybe this will be the one where we could break off into uh, the Einstein versus Niels Bohr debates. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, That'd I'm getting great. a little bit out of my my uh my comfort zone with with the physics side of things like I just doubled down on like and yeah. I'm even out of practice. It's been over 10 years since I was, you know, studying this stuff, so I haven't really kept up on um the latest in human evolution and whatnot, but uh, still that's, fascinated by it. Yeah,
1: that's totally fine. the The synth tube space is, is probably equally as fascinating and contradictory as as reality, <laughs> <laughs> as, as the, the fabric of our
0: yeah reality. Well, that's something else that like kind of drew that drew me into your uh, your your videos and and the way you approach it um, is, I. I do gear demos and, and stuff on the show, and I work with modular companies to do that. Um, but I don't want to just like for instance, one year I got the 4MS um, Ensemble Oscillator, you know, to make a video and talk about it on the show and just like within a day or two of getting it, there were already like a bunch of really uh, great YouTube demos on it by people who have been doing demos longer than I am or longer than I have. And I was like, "Am I just gonna create another like demo?" So I just made an absurd short film about it being like this this weird device that finds weird items and stuff. So I've always been wanting to, uh, you know, like find a an artistic or unique, you know, approach that I feel like is me. But I have also found that the the people who are in the, in the uh, the audience for demo videos that, that's that's confusing and you know, luckily, the people who get it get it and I love I love that and I still do shit like that. but um, I enjoy doing the podcast. It's very rewarding. I don't have any like intention to stop doing it, but the podcast is not like my um I'm passionate about it, but it's not my core passion. As an artist, you know, like I like to talk to artists. It's a lot of fun. I like to provide insight to these people that, you know, to the audience who are fans of other people getting long form conversations. That's very meaningful to me. And the way that you generate revenue off of stuff like this is through advertising. And I've, yeah. you know, I, I've been contacted by like, you know, your manscapes and that kind of thing, which I never really felt great about, but tried. And it was just, yeah, it just ended up like, I don't want to do that. Um oh did you do a manscaped? I did and th- this au- my audience is not the audience for manscaped and I'm not the person they want to buy it from so yeah you know, it didn't it didn't perform to their liking and uh you know they had to meet an x amount for blah 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 or whatever so but honestly I'm really glad it worked out because I talked to a lot of people and put myself through a lot of turmoil being like do I really want to like bring fucking pubic hair into the podcast, you know? Um, yeah. But, but at the same time, I was like, well, this is how these things make money and I want to make money. And it, you know, it's a real, um, so I guess my- I was
1: offered a <laughs> lot of money from them and researched the product product just out of curiosity. And sure enough, there's a lot of cut-up balls. Like, oh, really? <laughs> it, it turns out that they're not. That's yeah. not I what was they're just advertising. Like, wow, this, maybe it got better since I looked, but I was just like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot That's of...
0: hilarious. Uh, yeah. yeah, I never felt good about it. Um, the only one that I ever like and would still consider working with after doing some research just to make sure they are what they say they are is something like better help. But other than that, I have decided, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm sticking with with synth companies, and I, uh, you know, modular companies are oftentimes one or two people. I've made a lot of friends with these people, and their success is, is important to me because I, I love them as people. And I don't review or, I don't do reviews at all. I just do like, mostly, like I said, I like to make like weird videos and just features, basically like yeah. features. Yeah, like, hey, this is how yeah. I'm using it. If you like it, go buy it. So I don't feel super grimy about that, but the the shitty thing is, is like it's it's like inconsistent, and I I hate that I have to like because I, I don't have a business mind. I, I just I'm yeah. not good at it, and it's just it's really hard. But at the same time, it's not as bad as being a construction worker. So I, it's just trying to reconcile all this and the mental jujitsu involved to make yourself mm-hmm. not you know like I don't want to be a bad unethical person you yeah. know and i don't think i have yeah. but you know
1: i mean i i think that's a lot of it too it's like i i fly this flag a lot and i'm you know i i'm i'm very i i made i spent a very very long period of time being incredibly selfish just making music And playing gigs, and making music, and playing gigs, and making music about me, and releasing it (laughs) to the world, and then having people praise me for it, and then making music about me. And all that time, I was trying to balance that, because I just felt like a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Like I was just not serving the world anything but melodies. And that's not, a, that's just, I didn't feel like, I, I I felt like I was always floating. I had this imposter syndrome where I'm just floating on this thing. And that was releasing music as the flashbulb, right? And so in like 2011, I started a nonprofit music school. And I just like, I had more money than I needed to pay my rent at the time. And so uh-huh. I dumped it all into this thing. And I just kept doing that over and over again. And now I feel like I'm finally trying to, I'm figuring out a way to like find that balance in a way where you know the money can keep going up, but also the the spending that money on things that actually matter can keep going up with it.
0: Yeah, that's you know, I wanted my pie in the sky dream is if if the podcast were to or whatever I'm doing as an artist were to make it to where the bills were covered and there was the extra income, like I want to, I would, I would immediately. Start my own synth library here in Tacoma, like a you know a, mm. a learning space to have workshops, and for people who can't afford to buy synths, they can check stuff out, like the synth library in Portland. Right, they could come in and use that space, and you know, just like yeah, and you know, providing service to the world, and not because I, I I had a similar thing, not that I was making money off of it, but just being like a singer songwriter, guitarist in a pop punk band. Yeah, it just it really starts to feel very very like it's just so centered on yeah me you know and and that's what i and and so yeah
1: let's say you made that synth library and let's say you ran into some i'm not volunteering but well let's say you ran into somebody (laughs) who was like hey uh i've rented you're gonna need insurance you're gonna need a space you're gonna need a legal a bunch of legal documents to like open this up you're gonna have to register it as a business with the city with the state um the all this stuff and you're going to need a little more money to make all that happen. I'll give you a million dollars for the next five years and you give me 20% of the income that you make off of this and I'll guide you on how to make that income. And then uh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you know, I, I own this much of the company and, and I want that money back by the state and maybe some coupon deals or something like that. Now you've made this happen. You've grown it. You might be able to open another synth library in Seattle, mm-hmm. and you've committed a capitalism.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> you've, yeah, you've yeah, gotten yeah. a VC.
1: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, that's that's the absurdity of it all.
0: Mm-hmm. And and that's all. Like I've never like I've I've been just so ignorant to how that part of the world works for so long, and I feel like over the last couple of years that veil is being pulled back and I'm starting to just see like, Oh, there's like, no, yeah, there's like, yeah, there's no, there's no like 100% ethical. No one gets hurt. This is a great thing for everybody. And I'm doing nothing but service. It's, it's always a spectrum. Yeah.
1: That's, that's a thing. It's like, it's, and I mean, and, and there's even that sort of that, that ridiculous absurdity that every Person, on like every hardcore capitalist, points out where like somebody bitches about capitalism while using an iPhone, and they're like, "Well, you're using your iPhone to bitch." Right. And it's like that. There's that absurd. That's still an absurdity, and but mm-hmm. it's not an absurdity on the the character doing it. It's an absurdity on the the system that we have, where you can't actually express yourself with without you know committing a right a, a capitalism. I, I guess to like make <laughs> it clear,
0: capitalism. <laughs> yeah,
1: anybody who any and uh, often in one of my videos. I said that I was a libertarian and I still hear about that constantly. People say he's a scumbag libertarian and and I feel like nobody actually searched libertarian. They only thought of like Joe Rogan or yeah. you know Elon yeah, Musk right, or right. something. They didn't think mm-hmm. of like egalitarian libertarianism or like leftist libertarian. you know. Like I right, just think right. human rights are the most important thing in the world mm-hmm. and then everything else, you know, the human rights, science, and then everything else can like take a backseat to
0: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: that's libertarianism. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I feel like that, that has definitely become a four letter word, um, over the last couple of years, more so than it would have been before. Um, it's real. yeah, it's, it's been. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's amazing how many people have like explained to me that what, like have explained to me that, I am not a libertarian because they understand a libertarian to be this and it's like I I'm not like this is the weirdest parasocial mm-hmm. back and forth ever like I'm yeah. telling you what I believe and I'm and I'm linking you to a definition <laughs> of, of what that is, yet yeah, you're still yeah. like uh, it's Elon Musk who's wrong
0: yeah, about yeah, being yeah. a libertarian. <laughs> like
1: he's the one who like doesn't think that totally. people should be allowed to live here if they're immigrants. Right, right. Or he's he's the one who doesn't believe that like trans people have human rights. Right. He's not right. a libertarian. He's just an asshole who says that because it's not cool to say you're a Republican.
0: Totally. So, yeah. I, I was when when you when you started that this whole topic of, of of the libertarian thing, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk—they're the first people to pop pop to mind, and I think yeah, that's why sure. you know, and that makes sense. They have they have a yeah. lot of people's ears, and they have a lot. They of believe in human
1: rights that. up until the gun part ends, and then
0: yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Up everybody should go to own and guns they're...
1: and companies, and you know,
0: yeah, other than yeah. that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, well, uh I don't want to take up too much more of your time. We're we're uh we're closing in on an hour, but. Um, I guess in summation. Yeah, I, am, uh,
1: what? I got a bit more. Let's go. Um, Rapid fire. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I was racking my brain for like looking for like actual insightful questions because I only, not only am I fascinated by what you do and how you approach it, but I also like, am try, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn from, you know, I, I see what you're doing and I'm like, this feels more like the direction that I would want to go as far mm-hmm. as like the transparency and just not, making it clear that like, I'm not trying to be a shill. And if I'm telling you about something that I'm interested, that I think is good, I'm doing that because I like it. And I think you may like it too. And that's, that's kind of where it ends there. And if I can not be an electrician for doing that, I feel okay about that. But um, it's just, yeah, I feel like I look at, at your channel, red means recording, you know, um, and I, and I'm like, there's a part of me that's like oh, I wish I could get my YouTube channel to that size but then I know what you go through and I know like the the emotional social cost that comes with that and yeah. I'm, I don't know if I have the mental fortitude to uh gracefully traverse that path you know I have very thick skin um mm-hmm.
1: and and I think it's just because in one way shape or form I think from the age of like 20 and onward, I, and now I'm 44, uh, I was a public figure. Uh And so I've always had somebody out out there calling me a name or, you know, Mm -hmm. giving me some sort of like very unhinged criticism. Uh, and I don't think that having thick skin's good, you know, I don't think that's like healthy. You're not supposed to be like able to just take (laughs) <laughs> you know, an unlimited uh-huh. amount of abuse from the world, like and right. from others, like that's no. You sh- you shouldn't have to deal with that. Like nobody should. And so, I I very much understand um, other y- YouTubers. I mean, a lot of YouTubers and a lot of people in, in any sort of public social media space, they legitimately just kind of have breakdowns. Like they just lose it. Like they just can't. They they get so disconnected from what is and what isn't, if that makes any sense. Because one I, I I both of us probably deal with this. Oftentimes one negative person will have eight accounts and they will they'll <sighs> go to great lengths to tell you it like so much isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um and that's why I still go to NAM and that's why I still go to Nobcon and stuff like that. Because even though they're like, <laughs> you know, like there's so many Things that are unpleasant about being in those environments, but yeah. now I even speak at Nam at the like I'm speaking this year at the main stage with an economist, um, nice. because I think it's so important to look people in the eyes and like. Get, I agree and, with that, yeah. and I recommend you do it too if you can. Like I, rec- I I think that it's really important to go to go to a lot of these events because you also meet people. I mean, well, you meet a lot of people on your podcast, obviously, but mm-hmm. yeah, you also just meet people in real life and you get to see them. Uh, it. At the last Nam, I met uh Weaver Beats, if you're familiar with his channel.
0: Sounds familiar, yeah. He
1: kind of plays a, a troll character a little bit. He's okay, okay. He's like kind of the uh, I don't know, you know, he he reports like news on the audio gear space and also is kind of like the young, cool guy who makes fun of all the other synth fluents. and he gets a lot of hate from other synths as a result of that. But yeah, I got to meet him in person, which was like, you know, that, that's so valuable <laughs> Like to just it, be like, this is a socially awkward dude who is at his first nam, and he's a nice guy. Yeah, and yeah. like, <laughs> you know, and then anything, you know, I, he's never rubbed me the wrong way after that because it's just like, yeah, I feel like it's so important. Cause
0: you got the context. And, yeah. And it's, you don't have the veil of this, like, you know, because yeah, like the parasocial relationships, and then just the inner, just the the nature of human interaction online. Yeah, it's unnatural because all of the natural cues for yeah, this is successful, or you know, this is maybe don't talk to this person like this, or you know, like those are gone. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, yeah I, I think, guess it's
1: like the consequence, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes I think does like because there is no like consequence of i guess to just be uh, blunt about it there's no consequence of getting like smacked right like like if you if you talk shit uh-huh. somebody online straight to them you know you're not a left hook's not going to be coming to your head and so right. yeah, maybe that's like the basis of it it's a lot more complicated than that but I
0: think, I totally agree yeah
1: but mm-hmm. i so i that's probably why people are so much more critical to me Online than they are when I'm six foot two standing in front of them, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, with like a a long history of being a boxer. You know, it's probably like right, right. Yeah, it's yeah. a little safer. <laughs> so, does it? So it makes me wonder. Does it like? Are when we get yelled at by people online? Is, is that just what it's like to be a woman all the time, like being yelled at by like angry
0: white dudes? Like I haven't heard that perspective, but. God damn! If it doesn't like make sense, because right they're not now, worried like, about getting a hook. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the yeah. Face, you know, <laughs> uh
1: huh. <laughs> they're not worried that they're less likely. You know, that a person yelling at a woman in real life is less likely to be uh, worried about you know getting fired from yeah. that person or that person in a position of power above them. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty daunting. Yeah, you know, not to be too woke, but it makes me like, but when I when I am like, I can at least shut the computer off. And most people won't treat me terribly when I, I, but like Jesus Christ, if I, if I was a tiny, a, a, a tiny person or if I was, you know, if I, if I, God, like getting that, that bullying without being able to shut it off would, would probably break me.
0: Yeah. Well, and then, you know, like you said, it's so complicated. There's so many factors. And I think another factor is, you know, say somebody was bullied by, a six foot two guy who has the same phenotypic expression that you do, and now that consequence of the right hook being gone, they can use you as their mm. verbal punching bag. You know, it's just, yeah, it's it's, and then then everything beyond you know in between what we were just talking about, we don't know what like yeah, it's it's you can, so, but you can you you can logic your way out of this, but there's there's that deeper feeling like you know that all this hate are. The people who are haters are the loudest ones, and 90% of the people who love what you do, you never hear from them. You know that. Oh, you hear from them, but you
1: just don't read it.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) It doesn't you'll skip over those comments and only read the critical ones. Like for some reason we're just self-loathing that way. I know. There's (laughs) in some of the in in some of the comments, and and I mean it sounds so cheesy, but some of those comments, you you read them. And it's so easy to, like read between the lines of what you' were talking about about the person bullying them who has a similarity in likeness or something. Mm-hmm. and and, yeah, I get to the end of it and like you know, the the goal is to make me mad. and I like just I want to hug them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like th- there's so much going on there because I think that was one of my first realizations was to make me feel better about any sort of like bad drama going on with like YouTube comments or something was imagine myself writing that comment and what my surroundings would be like, like for me to just tell somebody that they you look terrible, yeah. you know, or to mm-hmm. tell somebody that like everything they say is, it makes you sick, you I know, mean, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It, it, well,
0: some like, of that stuff you were showing in the video, the, the, yeah, not wanting to do reviews. Like some of that was like, it was dark and, you know, like, you know, like threat, not threats or yeah. Wishes for your non-existence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like where where do you have to be in
1: life to type those words out Mm -hmm. into, to somebody knowing that they'll read it about themselves? Like, Cause I, I certainly, I didn't read that and then like contemplate suicide, you know, I read it and I was just like, man, this, this person's like deeply fucked up and, and it's, it's really
0: pain. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I hate that, that part because like in the YouTube, in, in this general world, that is very rare. I, I feel like a lot of creators don't feel that at all. Even about fellow YouTubers, I feel like there is a massive lack of communication between a lot of a lot of YouTubers. and they see each other as competition, and they don't see they don't see YouTube as what it really is. Like mm-hmm. in our function, it's this springboard to grow our audience, to make money off of our audience, or to have our audience support us. Well, it really is to make money off of it in my in my case, it's like join my Patreon. And I will then keep growing my platform of making films or doing research or whatever it is that I'm doing. And YouTube is a very, very shitty company that in this. Stage helps me get to that. Just like mm-hmm. Spotify. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the algorithm recommends people, you know, people discover mm-hmm. your music, but the ultimate goal should be to get people off of Spotify because Spotify yeah. won't pay you well, you know, or anything <laughs> according to these new royalty things. Um, That's wild, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like the ultimate goal would be, yeah, if you, if you hear my, if you see my name anywhere on Spotify and then you Google it, even if you Google the flashbulb, my YouTube channel will show up and now oh. you can get off that platform you can get somewhere to where you can link to my patreon because you can't link off of spotify like that's how we all should be looking at it and we all should be um i mean when a, when a company offers me money for something or or a sponsor or something like that i'm always transparently sharing that with other creators who who get paid for, you know who take sponsor money um and as i did i i'm not i don't hold myself above people who take sponsor money it's just that now sponsors don't really want to work with me because I'm a nonprofit and it's going to get published in my taxes uh-huh. and they don't want to be seen as, you know. Uh uh-huh. but yeah. So I mean it it's really important though, because if if I tell you how much a company's offering me, then you know to ask for that much. That was you know? the and video so, I was I like was watching
0: target. actually, uh when yeah. when we right before we started. And I thought that was really cool that you were breaking it down because that's something that I've almost wanted like I think I wonder sometimes if, um, if my audience, if I've given them the wrong impression that I, like, I am, I'm very fortunate. I do get scent gear. Um, and that's awesome. I don't have, I, I don't have to buy modules. I can't afford to buy modules, but that's, of course, that's the, yeah. I mean, um, but I, I, I do not make, um, my wife is pulling the weight, you know, and and <laughs> and that weight's yeah. getting heavy and it and it might have to switch um, so like, <clears throat> yeah, it's but i'm I'm so bad at I don't I don't like ask like every time I record a spot for like, hey, go over to the patreon, like i I, I don't feel it feels weird to me. It doesn't I don't know. I, i'm I'm bad at it. and, uh, but I depend on it. and i and i'm it's just been such a weird. Thing to try to reconcile
1: it, it sort of comes back to where this started. Like it comes down to bias, and if a company—I um, have a friend, for example—and a company that I'm friends with paid that friend to make a video, and mm-hmm. he's a—he's a popular YouTuber, paid—paid paid him to make a video, and he gave it a bad review, and—and and, uh, the company was like, well, "What the hell?" And I was like, "Yeah, guess what, genius? You can't yeah. take money to make." to to make a video and then shit on the product. Yeah. You can't do it. You you have to choose one or the other. And you have the you have the you can obviously I mean you can do whatever you want, but like the company's never going to work with you ever again in any capacity if you do that because like there is a sort of unwritten contract that if mm-hmm. you're if you're taking a few grand to to make a video about something and you're getting the product for free, you're not allowed to shit on that product. Like, that's sort of the handshake that's going on right. there, whether yeah. you want to honor it or not. And at the same time, when it comes to just free gear, I get tons of it, and I get more than I would ever use to make music. Like, I I, I don't use that much gear to make music. And so, however, when I buy something, when, when, I, when I go to Perfect Circuit and play around, and when I decide that I like a... A piece of gear the most, and I take my credit card out or my, my debit card out and I, I pay for it. And then I look at my bank account go down because I made that decision. Now I have a way stronger bias than if somebody just sent me something for free. Like now. That is I such am, a
0: good point. Holy shit. Yeah. That's like a that great point. It is, it is
1: a huge, huge difference. And mm-hmm. that, and it's so hard to make that in like a sentence, to make that point in a sentence. Well especially like, if you're what not you
0: sh- yeah
1: right what you should be looking out for is the shit that I paid for because that is where my brain is hacked with confirmation bias because As I you, yeah. I have to criticize myself to mm-hmm. just like everybody who buys Behringer products and then hears that the company's shitty they feel attacked because they made a decision and I'm attacking that decision right. when they first hear that that me attack Uli Behringer or the company's mm-hmm. practices and I feel like that's a tragedy because yeah. it's like, no, you just want to make music. You yeah, have it's nothing a bit of a false do with all of this but... bad shit. Yeah. But like now it's pinned on you and mm-hmm. and you have this logo in every photo you take of your gear and and every time you make music and and like those people are the actual victims to this, to this I guess scenario of a company having terrible behavior. It's not It's certainly not me. I'm not a victim. Mm -hmm. I've I've made money off of videos criticizing Behringer. I've gotten tons of followers off of videos criticizing Behringer. Like Mm -hmm. no, it's it's my it's my payday. Like it's Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean it's it's it's, but it's important to recognize that.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's like it sucks that like the web and intricacies of of a capitalist society. Um That has such an influence on worldview and self image within somebody's own head to where they would take you talking about a company. Yeah. And then putting that on themselves and then yeah. that that because that yeah. that's what causes the defensiveness because you're right they are at odds with that decision that thing
1: you're mad at beringer i bought beringer i am Barringer. yeah exactly i hate yeah. you it's like what <laughs> is happening right now this is so much yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 like it, it's really bonkers but but i get it because like I just got new studio monitors for the first time in like 15 years and right, I had yeah. been buying these rebuying these cheap Yamaha HS8s forever uh, and it's because I liked it and I thought to myself like how much of that is confirmation bias and not because I like the way they sound mm-hmm. like and, and I got new ones and it's fine and they sound great and I love them and like it's like Jesus, I think that was actually confirmation bias. I think it's because so many people told me to upgrade my monitors. And I said, no, these are fine. I paid for them with my own money. I got, you know, and then I I did that for 15 years. And then finally, you know, got over it (laughs) and realized that it's, it's goofy. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the point of the moral of the story here is that like, if, if you're, you should be more worried about what a creator spends their own money on than what they're getting for free, because something I got for free. I don't sell anything I, I've gotten for free, and un- unfortunately, I've, I've not allowed myself to do that yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to get busted. I feel like they're going to be like, hey, do did you, did, did you still have this? We want it back. And I'm going to be
0: like, yeah. no, oh God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but, uh, yeah, so, so I don't, it, so they are truly often very low value for me, whereas mm-hmm. something that I spent, you know, my own money on that that requires a lot of confirmation bias so yeah it's yeah those are the things i'm a shill for are the ones that i've already decided i wanted and i've want right. doubled down on with money
0: i i also think it's really it's it's just curious to me and this i think you know there's a, a maybe a bias might not be the word but it, you know i always use the term mental jujitsu but this could be a way of people in in our position turning this around but i feel like the the vitriol that's towards something like well you got paid to do this it's like that is everything in our like do you wear band t-shirts do you have a do you have branded clothing like yeah like that's how our world works that's like you don't like it then rage against the machine and i'm not talking about the band um you know like i don't know
1: are you following also, this whole like YouTuber plagiarism thing going on right now? The big
0: Um I heard some some about this like on like uh like Hassan Piker maybe talking about it at some point recently, but yeah. I'm not sure what is it. Yeah,
1: there's just like a big uh H bomber guy had a big four hour long video destroying some other YouTubers for plagiarism and and I don't feel that great about it. I'm, I, I think it's kind of gross because I, I think that for, and like I said, as a self-identified libertarian, for a bunch of people who claim to be socialists, they sure do destroy each other instead of thinking about the overall system that, you know, created I, yes. a platform that not only allows plagiarism, but encourages it through its financial incentive and its lack of restriction. Like, yeah.
0: And it it seems like maybe that's
1: the solution. Maybe not just destroying everybody who's not you, every creator who's not you. It because everybody's plagiarizing in one way or another. And if they have an easier route to get paid, then they're going to take it because that's just how
0: it works. And yeah, yeah. I I, that's something I've also been, been really thinking about a lot lately is just yeah, just noticing how sometimes, uh, decisions and actions of people don't really align mm. with this supposed philosophy that they they may claim is, is the only way to be. Um, yeah, the, the whole Spotify wrapped thing, like my, my Instagram feed, until the end of yeah. the year is fuck Spotify, fuck Spotify, fuck Spotify, and then at the end of the year, it's everybody, especially artists on Spotify, being like, "Look how many people listen to me on Spotify." You yeah, know? And it's yeah like, I, I always Photoshop mine. <laughs>
1: To show how too. much less I was paid than the year before. Like, that's always <laughs> I, really important to me. It's like, here's how big I am. Here's how awesome I am. And here's how much, how little of your money is going to me. Please stop using this fucking platform and pirate my music. Like, yeah. just do that and like, be a patron or shake my hand or something. Like, right, this yeah. is absurd and I don't want it to exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. How many people? And uh, Ben, you got to get your music off Spotify if, if they're doing this and then they subscribe to it, which is like, yeah. I'm not giving Spotify a dime. You are. like That's yeah. sort of, unfortunately, yeah. where we're at right now. And, you know, but again, I understand it. It's like it, it was designed by that. That's it's called choke point capitalism for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like you can't exit that that platform because it is embedded in every part of your life. Yeah. And us asking our listeners to not uh not use Spotify anymore is asking them to completely reroute the way that they listen to music, which is delusional, like nobody's Absolutely. actually going to do it, so
0: yeah, 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 again, you have to fight the you have to get the root uh, if you want to take bamboo out of your yard, you have to no never mind, I lost that one um <laughs> I like to give the last uh, couple minutes to the uh, the guest to scream whatever they'd like. For I mean, I feel like we've both been screaming a lot from the modular mountaintops. But yeah, is there anything you would yeah. like to scream from? The yeah, modular well,
1: mountaintops? wow, a PR moment. Yeah, I never say anything in these, and I always feel like I should. So it I doesn't guess, have to be um, PR.
0: It can be whatever you what you, it could be a property. Yeah, like the
1: moment where you where you promote yeah. the reason why because I never have a reason why I go. I'm just like, yeah, I'll go on your podcast. Like I'm never like you yeah. know, most people go because they're on like a tour, a book tour, or an album release or yeah. Um so I I I'll I'll think of some stuff on the spot. Uh yeah, voiceswap.ai. Um, we have created a platform that is literally uh changing i feel like i missed the button with spotify i feel like i i feel like i just missed it and everybody got like i i just could have maybe been more proactive about it with my outspoken bitchy self and i wasn't and now i'm seeing ai coming for uh, artists rights and jobs and all these things in terms of just scraping their data and reselling it voiceswap.ai is a company that DJ Fresh started and uh, drum and bass legend DJ Fresh. And we have this great team of people who are trying to preserve artists' rights and trying to create an economy that actually makes sense uh, by paying people for their content when it's being reused and then using technology to innovate in that regards and also even doing things like lobbying with Senate to try and yeah. get bills passed to make illegal for people to just steal your voice and then profit off of it without paying you anything so that is a uh, that that's something that is taking up a lot of my time and then also i guess if if you hear the hum you're going to want to watch that documentary that comes out in however long away from now but
0: yeah. right on well shit man i feel like uh, I, i'd love to have you back on when uh when you're when you're ready to reveal the findings of the documentary and then promote it um Also, I feel like we could do a whole episode on the AI company. Like that's yeah, I could, I could have,
1: I could have Dan uh, DJ Fresh come on if you like. He's oh, I'd love that. Yeah, happy to. Yeah,
0: this is stuff I want to learn more about. Like, um, yeah, I've just I've invested so much in learning things that are just like fascinating to me that aren't really applicable. But this is stuff that I feel like is applicable to what I'm most passionate about and. Um, I should. Yeah, I should get my ass in gear.
1: We have the SoundCloud from, or sorry, the SoundCloud, the Economist from SoundCloud. We have uh, yeah, I mean, we have like, we have some. It, it's kind of funny to talk about capitalism and then like see all of these like brilliant capitalists now working for artists like it's it's that's good really to that's hear because
0: you don't hear about that and i've been wondering like where are where are the bene- benevolent billionaires at you know like you'd think you'd get one
1: but we don't have any billionaires unfortunately yeah
0: well yeah i just <laughs> yeah. i just like the alliteration yeah. so <laughs>
1: yeah yeah sure no yeah it, it's uh yeah i mean but that's that's the whole point is like the, the, everything in tech has been removing value from music To subsidize, but by subsidizing it with venture capital. And this is Mm -hmm. trying to restore it and create an actual economy
0: that works. So cool. Well, I will throw links to all of that in the show description. Um, Thank you so much for your time. It was awesome to hang and meet you. Awesome. Well, yeah. Have a wonderful, I guess, afternoon. Yeah. All right. That is our show. Thank you so much to Ben for coming on and thank you for listening. Thank you to Forum S, Novation after later audio and patchworks for their continued support of podular modcast if you would like to support podular modcast head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast or to podularmodcast.com there's a pretty cool uh merch store there with a bunch of stuff um i haven't added any new products for a while i kind of forgot about it um so if you guys buy some stuff from there i won't forget about it and that will keep me What kind of merch? Like, nobody wants a podcast shirt, though, right? Like, I'm I'm trying to think of some cool merch ideas that'll actually, like, serve a function and be useful. Anyways, that's a rant for another time. This week's secret word is... Tim, get it together. Until next week.